But I would like to share with you a, a word from the book of Ephesians, or the letter of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, uh, chapter 6, and probably you know already what I'm going to be sharing of. Um, the church at Ephesus was a very, a very special church because it was established by Paul on his third missionary journey. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 19 that Paul spent two years conducting a revival there. Um, as you know, the book of, of Ephesians, or the letter of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, is one of the books that has been called prison letters. Uh, Paul was in prison two significant times um, in the Bible, um, probably more than that. But we see, for example, in Acts chapter 23 to 26, he was um, in prison in Caesarea, and then he appealed to Caesar. So we see in Acts chapter 28, he was also in prison in Rome. We believe that he was in prison in Rome probably a couple of times. And it was from Rome that the Apostle Paul wrote this prison letter, um, not only to the Ephesians, but also he wrote Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Um, this church was pastored by Paul, but he was, it was also pastored by Timothy, and even by the Apostle John, according to Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. Um, it was a, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, and it was a cyclical letter, which means that it was going from church to church. And the Bible says, according to Ephesians chapter 6, 21, and Colossians 4, 7 to 9, that Tychicus carried the letter. So he was the, 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 the letter carrier, if you like. And the Bible also describes um, the Apostle Paul having a close contact with Aristarchus, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, and Mark. So they were people from that congregation, according to Colossians 4, 10. But the amazing thing about this letter, the main purpose, or the basic theme, if you like, is an eternal purpose of God to bring everything together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's given, given to us in the first chapter, in verses 9 and 10. And the emphasis is that church, the church is the body of Christ. Um, there's a, a section, the first part of this letter is a, a doctrinal section, chapter 1 to 3. And then from chapter 4 to 6 is practical. So we have doctrine and then we have practice. And again, it's very common in, in biblical literature. The Apostle Paul encourages us to be strong in the Lord and in his power. Uh, it's not only about your faith. It's about your active faith. So these are certain things that he is encouraging us. And we will see through the context how he's encouraging us to do three specific things, or he's teaching about three specific things. So let's go together to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. I believe Chema and Oz had that there for us. We're going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Thank you, guys. From verse 10 to verse 20, okay? And that's to help us have a little bit of a, of a context. So here the Apostle Paul says, A final word. Whatever he has taught, which many of the things that he taught um, have basically given it to you in a nutshell. He says, a final word. This is extremely important. When someone says, I'm in prison, I may die, I'm writing to you, and I have told you a lot of things in the last six chapters, but a final word. That's important. That's extremely important. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, or against flesh and blood enemies, 
but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Wow. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the enemy, of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege, Lord, that we have to be here. For the power of being called sons and daughters of God. Thank you, Lord, for this holy assembly. And thank you for this holy gathering. For this meeting, Lord, where we ask you to speak to us through your word. Acknowledging, Lord, that we are missing pieces of this puzzle. And missing entirely big portions of this mystery. As the Apostle Paul is describing here. We pray, Lord that your word will speak to our hearts and that we will be able, Lord, to leave this building today having learned something new, that your Holy Spirit will reveal that word to us and we will be able to go out and put it into practice in our own lives and in our own environments. Lord, we love you today and we ask you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, very interesting here, the Apostle Paul is talking about an enemy. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against, and, and he mentions three things. Evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Mighty powers in the dark world. And evil spirits in the heavenly places. You see? He says, you are not supposed to fight against people who think differently than you. I see that very often recently in, in our you know, in our sort of um, um, later days, if you like, believers fighting about, about things and, and, and we thinking that we have, you know, those people are enemies to us or even the world or the non-believers are enemies to us. But the Bible says that we have no, uh, we're not supposed to fight against people who think differently than, than we do. Uh, not against a specific political party or philosophy. If you are starting to think about fighting someone, you're being distracted of whom your real enemy is. If we think that our, our fight is against someone, we have been distracted. We have been deceived. 
by the enemy. That's, that's what he does. He deceives. He tries to deceive. He tries to confuse. The moment that we get so aggravated about something or someone that the only thing that we can think about is that issue. And, and there's no way that we're going to, you know, surrender. And we get so aggravated. We have been distracted. We have been cheated. We have been deceived. Because that's actually what he likes to do. Evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Mighty powers in, dark, in the dark world. And evil spirits in the heavenly places. We cannot, we cannot fall into that trap. And here the Apostle Paul is clear. He's, he's been specific. Um, that all these, all these dark powers, all these enemies, are constantly fighting, trying to deceive us, trying to deceive, to deceive the church. And he gives us a, a weapon, a strategy. He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist at the end. And, you know, you know the different parts, the sixth part of this armor. And, of course, the Apostle Paul is thinking about the most amazing army in the world at the time, which was the Roman army. You heard me speaking about this many times. He talks about the belt of truth. He says, to hold your ground. I love this section. He says, hold your ground. Hold your ground through the belt of truth. And also through the body armor of righteousness. Now, if we, want to, if, we, if we want to stand on, if we want to hold our ground in a military sense, the Lord is giving us two things. Truth and righteousness. The moment that we deviate from the truth, <laughs> we're missing the whole point. He says, it's very important that we stand on the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. And the life, and no one goes to the Father except through me. So truth is extremely important. And the truth is being revealed to us through the Word of God. And the proper interpretation of the Word of God. I mean, it's very, very interesting people seeing, you know, picking up one verse or two that they like, and then they make a whole doctrine of, about it. I mean, you can use the Bible to say anything you want. But it's important for us to, 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 to study the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to, to really do that, especially as we are fading away to a different ministry, and I may not see some of you um, as often as I, will, I wish I could. You need to understand this. I would make big emphasis in the, in the last five services about the things that I want you to remember. And one of the things is to stand in the truth. I love reading. You know, I got thousands of books in the house. I like to study, but nothing can replace the Bible. So people say, well, you know, Pastor, you know, I've read it a few times. You need to read it every day. It's the bread of life. The Word of God is that bread from heaven. Jesus Christ is the incarnated Word of God. Books are great. Some are not so great. Some are not even good for the fire. But nothing, nothing can take, can replace the Word of God. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I know people who make emphasis on all these new approaches and philosophies or, and even old recycled theologies. But we have to be rooted in the Word of God. The Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is pointing at Jesus. The New Testament is looking back at Jesus. Hallelujah. And it's through the Lord Jesus Christ that we can um, 
have that revelation from the Lord. That the word of God is, is his word. Hallelujah. And he says, if you want to hold your ground. And I was thinking about many of you guys who, have, who are serving in the military or used to serve in the military. You know, he says, if you want to hold your ground, there are only two things that will, that will make you stand. That's the belt of truth and the, and the body armor of righteousness. The Bible is encouraging us to become the righteousness of God through Christ. This is what we are supposed to be, the righteousness of God. We have been given the power to become the righteousness of God. Not the righteousness of our society, not the righteousness of our culture. Way more than that, the righteousness of God through Christ. Hallelujah. The only way we will hold our ground is by standing on the truth. And by standing in righteousness. And then he, he continues saying here... Um, Stand your ground, put in the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. You see, you have to put them on. It doesn't come automatically when you become a Christian. Even when you come a, become a Christian, you have to choose to put your belt on every single day, every single morning. This morning when I woke up, I put this belt on. I then put a blue one, I put this one. Because I like it, it goes well with my shoes. <laughs> I choose to put them on. To put it on, right? We have to put it on. And he says, and the body armor, the body armor. This is amazing because the body armor will protect you from vital organs, isn't it, David? Your heart, your liver, you know, uh, everything is protected by the, by the armor, the body armor of God. And that's righteousness. If you want to keep your integrity, you need to walk in righteousness. You need to choose to wear that on. Truth the belt of truth, and the body armor of righteousness. But the one that the Lord really spoke to me this holiday was about shoes. It says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. So we talk about holding our ground, right? Holding our ground through the truth and through righteousness. But then he says, you will need shoes. And for shoes, put on the gospel of peace. It's, it's very sad to see um, a lot of people using the gospel uh, as, a, as, a, as a reason for discussion or tension with the world and with the church. But the Lord is encouraging us to think about the gospel as good news and something that brings peace. Peace with themselves but above everything, peace with God and peace with one another. The gospel is good news that brings peace. Not dissension, not rivality, not different, different groups. <laughs> like that, John? I was... Uh, I was... Um, I, I had this thought yesterday, right? We were... We were um, we, we got back yesterday. Uh, you will laugh about this, Beth. Uh, we got back yesterday, and um, we left. Um, we woke up around 2 o'clock in the morning, right? Uh, so we could be in Barcelona Airport about 4.30 in the morning. Our flight was 20 past 6. We flew to Amsterdam, and we had just over an hour to get into our another flight to Aberdeen. And then, you know, on the way to Aberdeen, we change our clocks. We gain an hour, 
and then we get to Aberdeen, and then we wait for the luggage, and then we drove back home. So we got home from midday type of thing, maybe it was 12, 1 o'clock, something like that, shattered after being sleeping only for two hours, two and a half hours. When I'm traveling, I cannot sleep. I'm Spanish, but I cannot do siestas for some reason. And, um, and I, was, I was just shattered. We got home. We started doing certain things. You know, I, I, was, I was active. I didn't want to go to bed. I didn't want to sit down. I, I, I wanted to, to keep on going until my body would break. Realize, oh, the garden, the flowers, and all that is a bit, you know, it's been, uh, you know, dry. So I'm just watering the garden. The neighbors are coming. I'm chatting with the neighbors. You know, I'm doing things. I'm up and down until, until I, I, I felt it. You know, I felt the call. You know, the bed, the bed was calling, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a, have a hot bath. I'm going to kind of decompress, relax, and sit and watch some golf. You know, the Open. The Open is happening this weekend. So uh, I was thinking about Neil about that. And then I thought, okay, so I sat down on my bed as I'm preparing to get changed, to relax, and I'm taking off my shoes, my tennis shoes, you know, that I use for traveling. And then this thought struck me, and I, you know, I, I tend to, um, you know, fall into these philosophies for you know random things, you know, in the shower and things like that. And then all of a sudden, I'm realizing I'm taking these shoes, and these shoes have taken me through all over Europe in the last few hours. I have been in my brother's house, put them on, went to Barcelona, drove to Barcelona for an hour and a half, then Barcelona airport, all over the place, fly to Amsterdam. All over the place, the Amsterdam airport, then fly to Aberdeen, and then take, collect our car from the parking place in, in, the, in the airport, and then drive all the way to Elgin, get busy doing things in the house, but now it's time to remove my shoes. And this thought struck me. I thought, I'm taking off my shoes and my socks, and I'm thinking, the last time I was barefoot was in my brother's house. And I'm going to be barefoot in my own house. And uh, these shoes have helped me to go all over Europe in a few hours uh, through, you know, the power of technology and, and all of that. But when it comes to the reality, and it struck me just because we see the Lord speaking to Moses in the Old Testament saying, Moses, take off your shoes because the ground that you're stepping in is holy ground. And then we see in Ephesians chapter 6, the Lord, through the Apostle Paul, saying to the church, put on, put on the shoes of the gospel of peace so you can be ready in a dark world. So if you think about it, the only time that we are barefoot in the presence of God is when we are in His presence. At the point that we even have a layer in between our barefoot and to this world that, that separate us, that avoid our contact. You know, they're saying, hallelujah, preach it, pastor, you know, all this. And, uh, and as we walk in this world, the thing that is stopping us from being in contact with the ground of this world is the gospel of peace. And this is what the apostle Paul is saying. He says, if you want to hold your ground, truth and righteousness... But if you want to be prepared, think about some good shoes because you will need them. And you, we need proper shoes for everything, isn't it? I mean, if you, I'm preaching here, I'm, I'm not using these shoes 
you know, for traveling or I'm not using the same shoes for playing golf with my friend Neil, right? We have different shoes for different occasions. The Apostle Paul used a different, a different uh, presentation of the same gospel, whether he was talking to Jews or Gentiles or pagans, you see? But the important thing is God is encouraging us not to get contaminated with the floor that we are walking. At the point that when he was in intimacy with his disciples, he decided to do foot washing, take off their sandals and wash their feet. At some point, the Lord Jesus comes to this house, and this Pharisee, you know, very legalistic, was talking about things, and then he says, the Lord says, Simon, I have one thing against you. When I got into this house, you didn't kiss me, like greet me, and you didn't wash my feet. But the Lord Jesus, in the Gospel of John, is talking about that event of foot washing, and in that intimacy with God, he does something. He takes their sandals off, and he washes their feet. Now, remember, the apostle Peter didn't like that. Like many of you, when I mentioned food washing service, no, pastor, we cannot do that. Just teasing you. Just pulling your leg or your feet. No, Lord, how can you touch my feet, Lord? You know, and the Lord says, Peter, I have to do this. Otherwise, you will have no part with me. Oh, well, then... You see, Peter is all the, time, all the time in his terms. Then my head and my hands also. Oh, the Lord Jesus, I can imagine him. Oh, not again. Our heads, our thinking are renewed already in Christ. Our hands, our deeds are renewed. Our good works are renewed in Christ. But our feet, even if we have shoes or sandals, they constantly get dirty and dusty from this world. What am I trying to say? That we, have, we are supposed to have a layer between us and the world. That layer is not judgment, it's not legalism, it's the good news of the gospel of peace. But even with that, you need to renew your gospel message constantly because it will get dusty with the philosophies and the currents of this world. If we are not careful, the gospel of peace becomes our own testimony. When I was ministering with Franklin Graham, he, 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 I remember him saying this. He said, Manuel, you know, so many times we think that we are preaching the gospel, but we are not. If we don't mention sin, if we don't mention the cross, if we don't mention the blood, if we don't mention repentance, if we don't mention heaven and hell, we are not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We may be sharing from the Word of God. We may be sharing a testimony. We may be sharing a, a very wonderful, important thought. But we are not fully preaching the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came from the earth, from, came to the earth from heaven to save that that was lost. Hallelujah. And that made me think. When I travel around, I wear my shoes, whatever kind of shoes I need for that particular journey. But the only place where I have bare food is in the house, in my own house, in the house of my brother. In a, in a place of safety, in a place of comfort, in a holy place. Hallelujah. And here the Apostle Paul encourages us to think about that and not to neglect that. That we have to renew, we have to renew our walking. 
we have to remain cleaning one another. That's why food washing is so important. And let me just bring another illustration. Because when we are among brothers and sisters, right? We are in a safe environment. We're in a holy ground. And we can become vulnerable to one another and take off our shoes and serve one another. You see the depth of the, of, of, of the meaning of this, right? And we can serve one another in that togetherness that you, it doesn't apply. It cannot work anywhere else. Anywhere else than that particular environment. An environment of holiness, an environment of safety. Hallelujah. He says, in addition to all this, verse 15, sorry, verse 16, in addition to all this, in addition to what? In addition to hold your ground through the belt of truth and the body armor of righteousness and being prepared at all times through wearing the proper gospel of, of peace shoes, in addition to all this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Now, let me just give you another piece of information here. The Romans, when they were facing battle, they will have this amazing, big, massive shield that they use very well together. We see the Greeks using that, but especially the Romans developed that technique even more. And then they will walk together, and then they will be like a big, massive square, and then they will walk through anything. And we see them adorned in different colors and metals and different things. But the main, the main structure of the helmet, sorry, the, of the um, shield, was leather, dark leather. And when the soldiers came to a, 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 a stream, a river nearby, they will dip the whole um, shield in the water. It will get heavy. It will get, you know. But the thing is, when the enemy from far away will throw arrows of fire, the fire will be quenched very quickly because the leather was soaking wet, you see? Now, this is extremely important because the Apostle Paul says that that shield is faith. You see, the enemy knows he cannot come close to you, especially when you are in the church, especially when you are in Christ. And you understand that being in Christ means to be in his body, and his body is the church. So if the enemy sees you and there's a bunch of us coming together and ready, he doesn't even dare to come close. He knows that. But what he will do, like a coward, that's what he is. He will throw darts of fire in our minds, philosophies of this world, of this world currents of this world, uh, nasty thoughts. But it's faith, our faith in Christ that can stop all that, you see? So he cannot do anything. Now, be careful. If you're one soldier by yourself, you are vulnerable. You see, the, the, the Bible says that the enemy is, is looking around like a roaring lion, searching to whom he may devour. We are supposed to be in the body. You're not supposed to be outside the body. We are members of one body, the body of Christ, and he is the head. We are supposed to be together. Hallelujah. He says, in addition to all these things, hold up. The shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hallelujah. So we have the full presentation here. Thank you, guys. The main thing was the shoes. I wanted to share with you the importance of keeping ourselves undusty from the world. 
to wear those shoes, which is the gospel of peace, the gospel of good news to the world. But the Lord is, is encouraging us through the Apostle Paul to remember the full armor, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. The Bible says that our identity is hidden in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Which is important because the moment that you put that helmet, that Roman helmet with the big brush here in the middle, right? The moment that you put that on, your identity, it doesn't matter if, if it's David putting the helmet or, or Josh. The moment you put that helmet on, what people will see is a Roman soldier. That's your new identity. Your identity, your face, the, the, the thing that people will recognize, it was hidden. You could only see the functionality, you know, the, your eyes and everything, your nose, the size of your face, everything will be protected. And the Bible says, put on as your salvation, our identity. We are saved through Jesus Christ and our identity is hidden in him. Hallelujah. He is the head of the body. And then finally he says, and the sword of the spirit and take says, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Have you seen that? Let's start again from verse 14. Stand your ground, putting the belt of truth and the body armor of God. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil, and put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. They're all active verbs. It's, a, it's not about faith. It's about active faith. It's about us recognizing that we have a task, a purpose, and a responsibility, and that we have to take them on. Hold on. Take. Put on. Hallelujah. So, yes, we have an enemy. We have uh, an armor, we have some um, protection. But then the, the third thing I want to talk to you is about prayer. Verse 18 says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. He says, I'm in chains now. He's in prison. I'm in chains now. Still preaching this message of God's as, as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on Speaking boldly for him as I should. Hallelujah. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent. Pray for all believers. Pray for your leadership. Prayers is the routine we have to master in order to win the battle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love what he says here. He says the mystery that the gospel is for both Gentiles and Jews. I was reading last night um, one of um, Alistair McGrath's last books on, on C.S. Lewis. And um, I read, actually read it through, you know, uh, on, on my journey actually to Spain. So I, I read it a few weeks ago, but I went back because he's talking about two things and he's actually using the, the concept of suffering. 
and he's based on the problem of pain, um, C.S. Lewis' problem of pain book. And he's talking about suffering. And he says, he says and he talks about this other um, scholar who teach about this, and he says, in life sometimes we have puzzles and we have mysteries. He says, a puzzle is like, you know, like a, a, a murder mystery, right? A murder mystery movie should be called a murder puzzle. Because when you have enough information that you can put together, you know who the murder is. So at the end of the day, it's not a mystery. It's a puzzle. A puzzle is you're missing pieces of information, but if you have them, you can solve them yourself. But the mystery is it doesn't matter if you have the pieces of information. Our brain, our understanding will never be able to reach to solve the problem. Are you guys with me? So the puzzle is something that we potentially can solve if we have all the pieces. But the mystery is something that even if we will have all the pieces, the knowledge to solve it, it goes beyond our heads. And suffering being one of them. Why is there suffering in the world? That's a mystery. The Bible talks about the mystery, the mystery of preaching. The Bible talks here about the mystery that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for both the Gentiles and the Jews. And the Apostle Paul realizes that, and he's the first apostle to the Gentiles. And he realizes that it's a mystery, that it's hard for us to fully understand the amazing and family love of God, which is for everyone. And the gospel is for everyone. The gospel of peace is for everyone. So everyone may hear and everyone may respond to it. Hallelujah. So, again, three things that I want, to, I want to leave you with. Number one, let us recognize who our enemy is. Our enemy is not the person sitting next to you. Our enemy is not our annoying neighbor. Our enemy is not our... Um, Relative that drives us nuts. Our enemy is not your boss or the person who opposes you every turn. You know, we have been encouraged to love and to forgive. We have been encouraged to communicate in a godly way. But the moment that the enemy makes you think that you have other enemies, that's actually when he is winning. That's actually when he is deceiving us. We have only one enemy. And his name is the adversary, the Satan, the adversary. That's who he is. His name is what he does. He doesn't have a name. He's nameless. Jesus Christ has a name above all other names, but Satan is nameless. His name is what he does, and what he does is to oppose. He's the adversary. All enemies are a reflection of the great enemy. And that's the enemy. <laughs> that's the devil, the Satan. Hallelujah. And we need to understand that, guys. Our enemy is nobody else than him. As believers, we need to embrace that. We need to realize that our enemy is not our new political party or the instability or the guy who is causing the petrol to go so expensive and food. And, uh, you know, who is there to blame? Remember what the enemy is? What did the Apostle Paul say here? They're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So a lot of things that we face, 
A lot of things that we see men doing is they're like puppets under the authority of these dark, hidden rulers. But our enemy is not the individual. Our enemy is what is moving that individual. Are you guys with me? This is what the, what the Lord is encouraging us to do. Our fight is way bigger than fighting against one another, disagreeing with one another. Our greatest enemy is the one who is causing all this tension. Hallelujah. And that's why. I want to close with this. This is why we need to understand what the gospel of peace is. That's why we need to understand that we need to wear the right shoes. That we have to undress ourselves every night. We need to realize that when we are in that place of intimacy and confidence and safety, that's when we don't need to wear shoes. Moses didn't need to wear didn't need to wear shoes before the Lord because it was a holy ground. When the church is together, we don't need to wear shoes because we serve one another. When we're in the presence of the Lord and we're having a dinner with Him, He says, take off your shoes after supper. Let's serve one another. But the moment we go out, we need to wear shoes. But those shoes are the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. You see, the Lord Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And we have been called to be like He is. I sometimes struggle trying to think how people visualize us, believers. That we have such an amazing God with such an amazing gospel. And look at the mess that goes among many churches. That's why people get fed up with religion and, and structure. Because the ideal, what it should be, is not there. Even David realized that in Psalm 15. I mentioned that a few weeks ago. Lord, who will dwell in your tabernacle? Who, who will go to your holy mountain? Who will see you, Lord? Remember, I have a sermon on that. The he who. He who. He who. He's talking about being walking or doing and saying. Sometimes we say a lot, we do less, and we are nothing. But the Lord wants to turn it around through the gospel of peace, that we can walk in integrity, in truth and righteousness. That our walk is the gospel of peace. And what we declare is that gospel of good news to the world. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm very happy to see Susanna here today. I thought I would not see her because um, she was supposed to leave when we were coming. So we're going to have her a few more weeks here. Right, Susanna? Good. Good to see you. Until Friday. Okay. Okay. So this is the last Sunday that she's with us? Okay. Well, we're going we're gonna to have fun as long as you stay here. She said that she's decided to stay just to see us. That's good. Praise the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, it's at times like this when we come to your word and, and we break it down trying to understand it. That we realize the amazing task 
that we have uh, ahead of us. And sometimes, Lord, we feel inadequate. Sometimes we feel so little and so small um, that we don't even know where to start. But, Lord, we want to thank you that you are with us, that you will never leave us and forsake us. And, Lord, I want to ask you, Lord, for you to help us, to help us to understand and to put on the full armor of God. Lord, to realize that there is nothing greater to you, that we love one another, that we walk in, in your truth. Lord, that we move according to your spirit and according to your word. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you are giving us in this life to be together. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us to draw nearer, closer, and closer to you. Lord, we don't have all the truth. We sometimes get involved ourselves in debates that we don't even fully understand. But something we do know is that you're faithful, that you're good, that we can count on you. So, Lord, help us to put aside things that are not for us, the weight of sin that ensnares us, that we can all put all that down and keep on running the race in such a manner that we will obtain the prize. Help us, Lord, to, to fight. Help us to run our own race, I pray. And Lord, we keep on praying for the future of Elgin Community Church, Lord. We know that we are in your hands. We know that you are faithful. And we know, Lord, that you are in charge, that this is your church. This is not my church or the denomination's church. We are your church. And I pray, Lord, that you will bring the right people. We keep on praying for a godly shepherd to take over. Lord, we pray believing, and we pray in confidence and not fear. Lord, we want to rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. We, don't, we want to rebuke confusion in the name of Jesus. But we pray, Lord, that the right man and woman of God will be put in place in the right time, in the right way. Lord, we thank you. Help us to walk in peace. Help us to walk with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that gospel of peace between the world and ourselves, that buffer, that layer that separates and protects us in you through holiness. But help us, Lord, not to be judgmental, to fail, but help us to be loving, to share. Lord, we love you today, and we thank you for the beauty of your word. Thank you for the wisdom of it. Thank you, Lord, for the life in it. Thank you for your spirit of revelation. And Lord, I pray that you will bless each and every one of us, my brothers and sisters here, every family here represented, every individual, that, Lord, we will be able to walk out knowing the importance and presenting that gospel of peace to those around us in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. It's good to be back. God bless you.